0: I certainly say I don't have a clue, but I can make some guesses. What one piece of wisdom do you think it is important to give to people now to help them make it through the pandemic?
1: These are terrible questions, by the way. <laughs> Welcome back to the World After COVID miniseries of the On Wisdom podcast with Igor Grossman and Charles Cassidy. Over the next 20 minutes, you'll be hearing insights and forecasts from some of the world's leading thinkers on what our post-pandemic world may look like for good and for bad, and what kinds of wisdom may best help us navigate this new world. Hey Igor, how's it going? I'm okay.
0: I just got back from
1: Georgian Bay. Were you fishing through a, a, <laughs> a, a, an ice hole? I was definitely not
0: fishing. I, I had a, a heated blanket that some friends gave me for my birthday a few weeks ago, <laughs> so I tried out the heated blanket outside. That's
1: uh, the extent of my How's uh, How does that work? Where does it get its power from? Electricity, bed? Well, it's a battery-powered blanket.
0: It's a battery-powered low-voltage blanket that tries to electrocute you really hard, but it doesn't
1: happen. I was going to say, this is not really, you know, aligning with the image I had of you of this great out, outdoors woodsman in, you know, up in Canada.
0: Yeah, great outdoors, but not a woodsman.
1: <laughs> Fine. All right. Fair enough. Um, so, this is exciting. Start of a new miniseries. Lots going on. Um, let's dive in. I have a quote, I'm going to play it and then we'll talk about it.
0: Another thing that we've been working on for quite some time is the role of rituals um, in people's everyday lives. I don't mean rituals like religious ceremonies, although those help too, but I mean little rituals that we all have with our romantic partners and in our families and with our coworkers. And those all got really disrupted um, during COVID for a million different reasons because our lives got turned upside down. And we've been looking actually to see at When people are developing new rituals and new routines in life, how that can help them deal with the stress of what's happening a little bit more. For example, parents who develop new rituals with their young children around mask wearing and hand washing feel better about their parenting because they're taking control and they're engaging in rituals with their kids. By rituals, by the way, I mean, you know, first the bunny says something and then we read this other book. I don't mean rituals in a scary way.
1: That's the quote. Awesome. Awesome. Who is that guy? So this is Michael
0: Norton, and he's a professor of business, uh, actually a social psychologist
1: from Harvard in the United States of America. The first thing that grabbed out at me instinctively is, and he sort of, he hinted at this, the sort of loadedness of the word ritual. Like when you hear the right. word ritual, a lot, of, a lot of secular minded folk like myself would be like, Ugh ritual to <laughs> really like, mean like habits instead of just like yeah, ritual yeah exactly and he yeah. kind of gets at that he said but yeah. it's also interesting because it you know uh, talking about rituals from um a secular perspective and seeing their value makes you perhaps kind of think how the 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 role they also function in religious ceremonies you know they can they That's can right be helpful in that context but um yeah it's a kind of a strange one so firstly i liked this idea of secular rituals and sort of claiming the word uh as something useful we can use more broadly. Um, And what do you think when you hear the word ritual? Well, yeah,
0: you know, like one thing, a little bit of a backstory here. Um, one of the first people that I wanted to have on this mini-series was Wendy Wood, who is a famous uh, social psychologist uh, working on habits and habit formation. Uh, she's from okay. California. And uh, unfortunately, she couldn't make it because she a stick literally said that uh, she, she has no wisdom to share because wow. it's such an uncertain, difficult period of time. Right. So I'm glad that uh, Mike uh, brought it up because I think it's uh, really important uh, to both uh, reevaluate the habits that you had before mm. and potentially form new habits and sustain them in a time when it, it is like you are on an open ocean uh, on, 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 on big waters where you could do anything or you could just do nothing mm. and there will be no structure because you're all stuck inside and there is no context to uh go that that would determine when you have to stop doing something normally when you don't have a pandemic yeah. <laughs> you know normally just like normal time
1: <laughs> that's
0: right normally when you don't have a pandemic yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you can uh you, you don't have the luxury of just continue watching and binging on Netflix or yeah. uh, doing the same thing again and again and uh, because th- you have to get out of the house, so you have to go to classes, or so you have to... Structure is to imposed co- on you. That's, r- that's right. The structure is imposed on you. And so when that does not happen, you have to develop the structure internally. You have to develop those habits or rituals, as uh, Norton points out.
1: Yeah. I So far, I was, you know, I was talking to my brother about this this morning. I say I'm doing this podcast a little bit later. We're going to talk about rituals and habits, etc. Um, and he had a completely different interpretation of it. He was like... Well, wait a minute. I I know exactly what my days are going to look like all the time now, because I'm, there's so little that I can actually do. I'm at home. I'm going to get up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat this breakfast. I'm right. going to be in this room all day. the end, I'm going right. to watch whatever I'm watching on Netflix, and then I'm going to go to bed. So right. he thought the idea of needing to create structure and sort of rituals was odd, because he said, you know, it's just it's it's so fixed anyway. Just the limits that have been put yeah,
0: out. yeah. It's it's very paradoxical. But if you think about it for a second, like the issue here is that uh, people are f- focusing on this external uncertainty that you have in the world. You're constantly watching the news. Potentially, you shouldn't yeah. do it, but many people do. And uh, <laughs> new information comes in all the time. Some of mm-hmm. it is not real information; just opinions of other people. Uh, and then. This uncertainty starts to drive you crazy. It's like you have to figure out a way to reestablish control. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to, like, uh, what, what can you, what is the thing that you actually can change or you, you, I, you can be in charge of? And yeah. rituals, like things at home, are the things that you can be in charge of. So reminding yourself of that is yeah. really, really important.
1: Yeah. It seems that there's uncertainty on a societal level, but like on a super local level in your own house there is actually almost too much certainty. It's like, you know, so I think it's worth considering those different scales. We're all sort of awash in this uncertainty with regards, what well, is is there going to be a vaccine? How's that going to pan out on a broad level? But like, right. I think what a lot of people would appreciate on the super local level is a bit more uncertainty slash variety. So those two levels need to be looked at maybe differently. Right. I'm going to dive into another quote.
0: If I were to steal it, to one thing, I would distill it to the idea that lives are more important than ideology, that the future is more important than short-term gratifications, that we should never lose sight of the effects of what we do, not only on our own lives, but on the lives of others around the world and of future generations, In that preserving the world for the future, is more important than the ideologies that inspire people to behave recklessly.
1: Do you want to tell us who that is? Sure.
0: So this is uh, Robert Sternberg. Professor Sternberg is uh, one of the probably most prolific psychologists who is still alive today. He's also a wisdom researcher, as it happened, uh, so who spent uh, quite a number of years thinking about what does wisdom mean from a psychological perspective. Yeah, he's at Cornell right now. Well, it's interesting, you know, like this idea of sort of uh, focusing on the long term, on the big picture here mm-hmm. in the context of the pandemic. No, normally what happens for a lot of us, and we have seen that already multiple times, by the way, is this focus on the here and now. It's like, what's important for me right now? I don't want to go think about this long term stuff. Yeah, the vaccine will come, but like, can I have enough to eat? Or am mm-hmm. I safe? Mm-hmm. Uh, can Short I go time. out? And then people like often forget that it's like, oh, can I just... Can I have my freedoms back? Yeah. Because we've been stuck at home and uh, like, uh, no, we cannot be back into the lockdown. So people are right away it's like start forgetting. And the interesting thing is, right, when you retrospectively start thinking back at the moment when the pandemic started, there were a lot of people, including I think you and I, uh, I remember we privately talked about the idea of, you know, there are at least two waves, often three waves. We can learn from the prior pandemic suggesting that there is not just one wave mm. and it will take probably more than a year to get the vaccine. And now we know that, half a year later, we know that, and yet people just like somehow get into this kind of motivated reasoning delusion Mm. that, oh, the one wave is over, so now we can just forget it. How how long can we wait? And this is like, again, this is a very short-term oriented thinking. Yeah, so long-term orientation is really important, but I think it's also connected to the other things. So like, you know, patience, uh, for instance, is the other thing that he kind of invoked to some extent. Uh, Reduce polarization, um, it's kind of bickering uh, among the ideological party lines. Yeah, Uh, That's uh, very, very important and has been mentioned by many people.
1: It just seems um, long-term thinking is just something we're not very good at. And it almost seems like this is a case in point. Like people n- know that they should be patient, but still, God damn it, they got to go to Thanksgiving or, you know, it. it, it right. Do Christmas. you take the behaviour of the public, uh, say in the states and the UK, uh, as an example of oh we can be patient if we need to be, or does it does it do you take it as evidence that we don't seem to be able to tap into this long term thinking?
0: Oh yeah. Well, I think uh, I mean uh, we just see. Uh, huge failures of uh, of the governmental uh, offices not being able to communicate in, uh, with, the, with their constituents. Like the U.S. government just gave up uh, <laughs> the Trump administration. The U.K. government did like the whole 180 turn and then 180 turn back. Mm-hmm. And it's just like zero consistency in uh, the way how you communicate and the transparency is missing. And that uh, leads to reduced trust. And reduced trust is one of the key factors that we already know from the first wave of the pandemic was uh, very strongly related to whether people were following the rules right. and uh, actually were able to go through the pandemic without major damages or not. So, like, the countries that uh, trusted their governments less yeah. ended up being the ones who were mostly in trouble.
1: But but sticking with this idea of the ability to hu- of humans to behave on a long-term time frame do you think say there was trust say trust existed and they trusted their institutions Mm -hmm. uh, and the institutions or the governments were saying you need to think long term would people be capable of doing it do you think
0: i think uh, that we have evidence in psychology about uh, you know Mm self-regulation and uh, self-regulation failures Mm -hmm. both among the kids and teenagers and uh, adults like ourselves And uh, we know that it it all depends. Uh, Some people are better at that than others, uh, their individual differences. Mm. And the the classic marshmallow study, whether (laughs) that study by itself replicates or not, uh, but there is some insights from the idea that, you know, it depends on the social class, for instance. It depends on the environment that you live in. It depends Mm. on your training. Mm. So I think some people, for good reasons, may not be... Interested in uh, delaying and not being interested in being patient. Unfortunately, in the current pandemic, those are exactly the populations that are mostly uh, that are most vulnerable, mm-hmm. mostly affected uh, by the crisis, because these are often people who are low income, those people who cannot just sit at home and relax or do <clears> their work from home without uh, interacting with other people, engaging with other people face to face. Yeah, so those are the people often that have been showing not so good control of, um, like focus more on the short term rather than the long term.
1: Time for another quote.
0: I think the number one piece of wisdom is that we're all in it together. That has been bandied around, but I think that it is really the case that it is important for us to protect our loved ones, protect our friends, protect our neighbors, and in doing so, we will protect ourselves. Okay, so pretty short quote. So this is Roxanne Cohen-Silver, uh, who actually used to be a faculty at the University of Waterloo a long time before I arrived uh-huh. there okay. in Canada. And now she is in California, University of California, Irvine. Okay, And she's uh, one of the preeminent uh, researchers on stress and social psychology and personality psychology associated with stress and going through traumatic experiences similar to the one many people are
1: going through right now. Mm. So what, um, what was it about that quote that, that you connected with?
0: You know, when I looked at all quotes, all statements that people uh, provided in response to this question about like, what kind of wisdom is needed right now? And I then quantified it. So what my team did, we quantified the responses. There was one thing that was in the center of everything. Okay. And that was this idea of the uh, social capital or uh, trust and togetherness. The centrality of it really makes sense to point it out at the beginning. And the other thing is, it's, it's just natural. I mean, at least here in Canada, uh, the, this idea of we are all in this together. At the beginning of the first pandemic was everywhere. You go to any store, mm. they would emphasize that. They certainly made a lot of campaigning around that quote. Mm. So I think... Uh, that That is a good thing to emphasize and it's also a good thing to remind ourselves on as we are in the midst of the second pandemic here in North America.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seemed like such a, I have to be careful how I choose my language, but it seemed like a perfect example of some something that would affect everyone and everyone's behavior would impact on everyone. And it seemed like this might be an opportunity where... People really don't they don't just intellectually know that it it becomes visceral and becomes a real thing right but but it seems to have fractured a little bit and with you know different groups being you know impacted to different amounts you know if you're you can insulate yourself to a certain degree financially and different ethnic groups get hit harder, et cetera so I've heard someone talk about you know we're not all in the same boat we're all in different boats. <laughs> kind of floating on the same storm so what do you think it's an oversimplification or like um i mean it's an aspirational thing to say isn't it because it's not
0: right yeah i think i think you're absolutely right i mean the idea of like is this all just uh are we all the same the notion of togetherness and being the same uh, i think those two are a different constructs Mm -hmm. The, the ideas of Uh, a community orientation it's kind of like orientation towards other uh, people and uh, realizing that your actions depend on others in the same way how others actions depend on you Uh, this kind of a civic Mm. um, um, Mm. interdependence Mm. is different from equating everybody and assuming that everybody has the same concerns and the same problems and suffers to the same extent quite the opposite
1: Uh, that makes sense i kind of think as well it ties into your idea about having faith in the institutions as well. Like that, you know, if you have government saying you, need, you should be doing this, but then members of their government are not playing by those rules, that that can erode that sense of social capital quite rapidly, I imagine.
0: Quite right, so, yes, I believe so. I also think, like you know, like the the just general notion of interpersonal trust, it is just so essential to every situation mm. in which you just have to, to some extent, forego your individual interests to the benefit of the community. And uh, the current crisis is exactly like that, where it's not just about you. And in fact, uh, what you need to do is not to just protect yourself, but you need to protect others from you.
1: Right. Yeah. And you hear about people talking about masks as, you know, wear a mask to protect others, which is... exactly. uh, um, That's the kind of unfamiliar framing like you would expect in this sort of individualistic society that people would say, you know, how are we going to get people to buy into masks? Let's make it clear that it's in their interests but in fact the messaging has been the opposite it's been more aligned to what you've said like wear a mask to protect your neighbors to protect your family etc
0: well i think it's very important because it also connects to this other idea that we talked about earlier namely the big picture uh, that uh, the focus on others allows you to see beyond yourself because the masks wearing and what it does and social distancing in general is a systemic issue. It's not an individual, personal issue. And uh, just you need this big picture in order to re- and focus on the long-term orientation, if you want, uh, to really realize that, which is hard to do in the, in the moment when you are so th- feel so threatened or
1: maybe yeah. fatigued at this moment. Yeah, it's a lot to ask of people when they're afraid and in the context of uncertainty to also, you know, look beyond their their own self interest.
0: I don't know if it. Do you think it's a long term? I I think it's not. Long. I mean, you know, it's like when those ads uh, that a German government been sending around about uh, uh, you know, like we had to be the heroes and uh, make our case and what we were supposed to do. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Be a couch potato for the next 12 months. But that's exactly, so it's like, is it really that much to ask to think a bit more about the big picture in addition to being the couch potato? (laughs) At least for those people who are not suffering, who don't have kids, who don't have this dramatic adversity because their job just ceased to exist or uh, they really have to worry about how to pay rent. I don't know.
1: I know what you mean. I, I, I've heard this idea, you know, like our grandparents were asked to go and fight and give their, give their lives in a trench somewhere. And all is, all that's asked of us is to sit on, on the sofa and watch Netflix. But, you know, the society is us being social animals and that essentially being sort of that opportunity being removed from our um, from every day for, you know, month after month after month. I think it's quite a big deal.
0: Well, but at the same time, you know, uh, it's not like that society will disintegrate if you just wait for another few months. And in fact, there are a lot of opportunities. And I think we'll cover that both uh, this episode and also in some other episodes where a lot of the uh, experts that uh, I interviewed were emphasizing there's a fundamental um, uh, opportunity here mm. for maybe improving our society. Through the changes that happen because of the pandemic, similarly, how in the past pandemics it has been a, an opportunity to you know mm-hmm. uh, the the improvement of the sewage system, uh, the beautiful river bank uh, in London uh, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have existed if not for the pandemic yeah. uh, in the nineteenth century.
1: Yeah.
0: Also, all those things it's a, a, it can be an opportunity for positive change, and. That change takes time, so we need to consider the long term.
1: Yeah. All right, then. I think uh, let's let's roll into a, a fourth and final quote.
0: Injustice in the United States especially, but surely elsewhere, means that some of us are merely inconvenienced while some of us are in truly dismal circumstances. Um, so given that, uh, for those of us who are not in dire straits, I think what we need is perspective. Um, Realizing that our problems are relatively small compared to what others are enduring might be a first step to um, motivating us help to change the conditions that has made this pandemic so bad for some groups of people.
1: That was rather convenient that you happened to have a quote up your sleeve that completely backed up exactly the point you'd just been making. That's very well. Oh,
0: was I making this point? I didn't even realize. Oh, I didn't (laughs) realize. What a surprise. Sneaky Um, eagle. No, I mean, it's completely unintentional. And in fact, I didn't even plan for this thing to be together. It just uh, happens to be So, first of all, this was from uh, this quote. It was by Valerie Tiberius, who is uh, famous, probably one of the most eminent uh, philosophers female philosophers in north america it's not easy to be a woman in philosophy most of the philosophers in the, the uh-huh. u.s and in canada are male unfortunately
1: uh but there are she's few, a previous podcast uh, guest i believe
0: and she's a previous podcast guest and she's also the president of the i think uh, one of the chapters of the philosophical society okay uh, uh, in the united states and um she's in Minnesota. Uh, So why this quote and why perspective-taking? Well, it may be already obvious given what we discussed. (laughs) But again, uh, perspective-taking and this kind of focus on relative consideration of where you are in this pandemic compared to where other people are, how much other people may be suffering... Mm. It's really important. Uh, first of all, this type of perspective-taking, which is really focusing on the big picture and try to balance uh, your viewpoint with viewpoints of others, like right, to really t- take a step back from your typical perspective, is uh, at the center of the whole scholarship on wisdom. So the fact that it's been brought up and has mm. been brought up repeatedly, mm. it's one of the most common, the most frequently mentioned characteristics, is uh, remarkable. But the other thing is... It's also close to the center, and it is connected, of course, to it's required for sympathy and compassion towards other groups, which is really important right now. Uh, And it actually is also important for figuring out how to balance uh, those vulnerable groups that Mm. really need our help right now, as well as balance our personal interests versus interests of others in general. Like uh, for a lot of people right now, I think it's, this concern about well my personal freedoms yeah. my privacy and how much the government will tell me what i should be doing or ought to be doing uh, my economic interests versus interests of the of the other people who i may not care about because you know they're old so mm. why should i care mm. and i heard that argument from some people who probably don't want to be named. Uh, but the issue is like, you know, it's still on some people's minds, especially young people, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, who's like, well, I'm not getting sick, so why should I? Why yeah. should I change? Why should I lock myself in? Yeah. And I think this type of perspective taking was one of the key cognitive mechanisms that allows you to figure out the way forward. It also conveniently is related to long-term orientation.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting interview, actually, because she she kind of goes on to say that obviously certain sexes of society are, are affected much less than others. So we need to, like, use the fact that we're not as affected by certain groups to right. um, take an opportunity to see what does the fact that different groups are suffering in different ways tell us about what is ill in society? And can we then use that information to help? Address those concerns post pandemic. So she was almost talking like the pandemic kind of uh, magnifies things that are wrong in your existing society. And then the people that aren't as affected should pay attention and use what they learn from that closer look to then try and make those changes going forward.
0: And you know, this is a very common thing that I heard from many people I interviewed, Mm. uh, that uh, the pandemic um, magnifies and allows us to see as if through a magnifying glass the existing structural inequalities in the society. Ah. And uh, that's something that I heard both from people in the U.S. where it's not a surprise, Mm -hmm. given the huge inequalities that exist in the Mm -hmm. the U.S., Mm -hmm. but also in Canada uh, and also in other parts of the world, be it in Australia or in the In Asia, so I think there is something in common there.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, in that first interview, actually, uh, Michael Norton, like he goes on to talk a lot about inequality and says that people have a sort of abstract sense of what it is in normal times, Um, but but the pandemic sort of is an. He's saying it's an opportunity for people to get a sort of a, a reality check on quite how grand the inequality is he was talking about the states um so there are some things we can learn from the sort of the the heightened inequality about the the problematic structural um issues so yeah it's interesting that the pandemic would operate like that like a magnifying glass
0: yeah well it always it's a stress test
1: yeah yeah the
0: governmental systems for the society in general
1: yeah And that's it for today's episode of the World After COVID miniseries. Thank you to our listeners. Igor, big question. If people want to know more about the project, where do
0: they go? They can go to the www.worldaftercovid.info.
1: Please stay well and safe. Goodbye.